let's go. We're going to Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, starting in verse 4. It is good to see you guys. Everybody doing good? All right. I'm doing good. I, uh, it's warming up. Yesterday was like a heat wave. I was like, woo, excited. And uh, today I woke up and it was cold again. I was sad. But uh, soon, soon and very soon, we're going to see the sun. <laughs> Yay! All right, we're going. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 4. In reading this then, this is Paul, of course, writing. You will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery that through the gospel the Gentiles were heirs together with Israel. You realize that you're heirs with Israel? You're heirs with Israel by the, the gospel. Members together of one body. And sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Became, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Um, this is like talking about the foundation of the church, the mystery of Christ. The, the thing that was hidden for ages. What's awesome is that like, Prophets saw parts of this. They, they saw little pieces of it throughout history. It's like the prophetic, for anyone who doesn't really, has never really experienced prophecy or, or experienced the prophetic, or if you don't really walk in that realm, the hardest thing with prophecy is, is you see kind of like mountain peaks. And um, you guys know a little bit about mountains around here. Uh, you just see like the tops of mountains. And what's crazy about mountains, and you all know this, is you look at a mountain, it doesn't look that far away until you try to get there. And then you see the next one, it doesn't look that far away until you try to get there. And, and what's the interesting about prophecy is a lot of times the prophet sees, but there's no context to be able to place the timing of it all. And, and prophets saw in part what you are able to experience in full today. Isn't that awesome? Today you can, you can step in to things that scriptures say that, that angels desire to look into. Think about that. Angels who are in the presence of God, who, who live in the throne room of the king and are in constant contact with the one who reigns from eternity to eternity. The ones who know him by face want to know what you got. Is that cool? That is about the coolest thing. When I realized that, I was like, yeah. It's just awesome what God has given us. And, and this, um, this text here it's talking about the beginnings of the Christian church. It, origins are important. Um, it establishes things in the, the origin of it. Everybody 
is sitting in this building right now, and we've got the, the heat on, and, and we're sitting in comfy chairs. But all of this started on some architect's desk. He laid out a blueprint, and he drew it all out. He had it constructed in his mind. The elders of this church and the pastors gave direction about what it needed to look like, where they needed it to go, and what it needed to be able to function as. And and that man or woman, whoever the architect was, sat down at a table and began to sketch out ideas. And then he put lines and measures to it and created a, a template from which... This building was created. And when we look at the church, when we look at the, the, the church as it is, it is always good to go back to the beginning. To find the original plans, as it were. I've not talked to Pastor Glenn or, or Pastor Arlen or anyone else about this, but my expectation is that somewhere we've got blueprints. We've got the original blueprints. Because there comes a time, like, we're going to be doing some work in the sound system, and we're going to have to know where all of the lines are, the snakes that go from that sound system up to this stage. We're going to know how that all falls out, and we're going to need to know where that is. We're going to have to be able to go back to the blueprints so that we can make sure that everything's working properly. And because of that, that that foundational concept, it's important for the church to go back to the beginning, to look at how it is that God really intended for this church to be so that we can access the things that we need to access so that we can become fully the people that God needs us to be. God wants us to experience him fully and and God wants us to experience the gospel fully. What's interesting is like, So many times, we think about the gospel as something preached. Or or maybe we think about it as something believed. You know, 1 Corinthians 15.2 talks about what the gospel is and and all of those things that that the gospel saves us. And that's absolutely true, but the the gospel is also to be something that, that was experienced. See, by this gospel you were saved, 1 Corinthians 15.2. You're saved by the gospel, but... But God wants you not just to believe the gospel. He wants you to experience the gospel. And so today we're going to talk about that. And uh, in that part, just so you all know, we're going to, we're going to do just some teaching today. And we're just going to lay some things out because some things need to be taught more than preached. Uh, I can get excited and like, woo! And you may not catch my point. But if I just lay it out, if we just begin to walk through things together, then then revelation can come and understanding can be birthed and God can do things in here through a teaching session that maybe could never be done in a really crazy hooping and hollering preaching session. So, so bear with me this morning and we're just going to kind of walk through some things. Some of what we're going to talk about today is the Christian baptisms. Baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I hope to just begin to kind of Bring some understanding there where maybe there's not been understanding before. So let's just go through this. Lord, bring revelation today. We need your revelation. We need you to bring revelation. Lord, let your word speak. Don't let it be, Lord, some man just sitting up here talking. Let it be that your spirit reveals you 
reveals, Lord God, what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. What is important, folks, for us to really understand is that our humanity is, in, is changed by the experience of the gospel. Because it moves us from a state of being a sinner to being in state a saint. Now, you know, we, uh, we live real close to New York. And in about 30 minutes, you can go from the state of Pennsylvania to the state of New York. And, and there's times, if it's not well marked, you could get past that and not even maybe know that you're in a different state. The gospel, though, affects the state that we are living in. And it's important because this sinner-saint concept, um, so many of us wrestle with this idea because we, we, we know what we were, we know what we're supposed to be, Usually we're somewhere in between if we're a Christian. Uh, hopefully you're more on this side than this side. But, but you're in progress. You're in process to somewhere else. And you need to understand that it's a change of state that happens that's past you. There's things that can be activated that just change your location spiritually. I have my, my younger sister, uh, Amber. Her mother is from the United Kingdom. She's a British citizen. Um, up until about seven to ten years ago, you were mandated that you could only be the citizen of the United States. There were other nations that did allow dual citizenship. But you, um, in the United States, if you were born here, you were a citizen. If your parents are American, even if you're born somewhere else, you are a citizen of the United States of America. But something interesting happened legally about 10 years ago. The United States changed their policy in regard to citizenship. And in one day, because of a decision that was made by the government, my sister went from being a citizen of just the United States of America to being a citizen of the United States and of the United Kingdom in one moment. And there are decisions that are made by the king. There are things that get activated by God in heaven toward us that change our state in a moment legally. Because now my sister can fly under her UK passport. Nobody will ever have to know that she's an American. She's a British citizen as far as they're concerned. It gives her different privileges. She gets to walk into different places, things that would not be accessible to her before that or without that passport are now available to her. Is this making sense? And so we need to understand that, that state changes are essential. And you may not see yourself so different as before you knew Jesus, but you've got to understand that your state changes when you experience the gospel. Now, the gospel defined is simply this. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find that in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. I already read to you uh, just, or I made, yeah, we read a little bit of it. But 
Let me just read the rest of this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Hear that. On which you've taken your stand. So you stand on the gospel. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That's the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what Paul says is what we stand on. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That's the gospel. You with me? Now, what's interesting is that most of us don't realize that the gospel that Jesus experienced, the death, burial, and resurrection, that is something that we are to experience. That's something that God intends for each of us to experience personally. What's cool is that it started happening in the Old Testament. We know this in 1 Corinthians 10. It says this, verse 1. For I do not want you ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, speaking of the Jews who were in Exodus, were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Do you realize that in the Exodus, when, when the nation of Israel was being born, that there was water baptism and spirit baptism? Is that cool? It's all in your Bible, folks. It really is. It's all just there. It was the Old Testament gospel experience. God, God was cool about the Bible. And, and for, any, um, for anyone here that doesn't know the Lord, and maybe you don't have a lot of faith in God's word, maybe you don't really believe the Bible is, is the Bible and really comes from God, one of the greatest things about the Bible is it's got so many internal um, validations. Like, like this, for instance, where they're baptized in water through the Red Sea and in the Spirit by the cloud. And that is just a foreshadow of what's coming in the New Testament. And there's millions of these. I could, we could go for a long, long time talking about these things that God works by the same pattern, folks. And if you can ever find God's pattern, then you get God's power. If you ever access God's pattern and you step into God's pattern, then God's power becomes the vehicle that you can take into all kinds of different promises. The reason that sometimes we live under such uh, lives of, of, um, of oppression or fear or depression or we live beneath the state that we're called to is because we've never found the pattern. This is the pattern. As a person in God's image, he made us to have three different parts. 
1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely or wholly. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us has a body, a soul, and a spirit. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But I want you to understand that you have three parts. And in those parts, God needs to bring transformation to every element of you. He brings the gospel to each level of you. The first level is of your soul. Repentance, which is your your response to faith in Christ, brings repentance to to you and, and repentance from your sins. You repent to God and from sin. And that, folks, is the death part of the gospel. And this affects the soul. The soul is the seat of the will, of the emotions, and of the mind. It is where decisions are made. You, at some point this morning, probably were looking at your alarm going, I'd love to sleep in this morning. But your soul said, I need to get a hold of Jesus. So you, you rolled out of bed, you got a shower, put on some good-smelling stuff, threw on some clothes, hopefully, and you came to church. That was a soul decision. It was a will decision made in your mind that determined your actions. Repentance is a change of mind that then changes your actions because it changes your will. Repentance is literally a change of direction. Because of a new destination. Is that making sense? And in that, the old destination, the old life, dies. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old life, who we were, what we did, where we went, all the things that characterized what we used to be that was sinful and dark. We repent of those things. We put them in a chapter that's now closed. and We walk in a new direction toward God. That is repentance. You died to the old life. Sometimes that's a little painful. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes you got to change some things that maybe your flesh doesn't want to change. Maybe you're involved in a relationship that you know isn't right in God's sight. That needs to change. Maybe you're doing things that, that are going to be harmful to you and your spirit and to the people that are around you as your brothers and sisters. Those things die. That is the death part of the, of the gospel in our experience. And if you're a Christian... No matter what stream of Christianity you come out of, there's an understanding of that. And that is just the beginning, though. 
That, that repentance is just the door in. Um, I'm talking at the Lenten luncheon this week uh, on Tuesday at the Ecumenical Church. And we're going to be talking about repentance as the door of the kingdom. And uh, what you're going to know, if, whether you come there or not, I'm just going to give you a little snapshot, um, is that, that repentance is the door that you walk in to God's kingdom. You put your faith in Jesus. See, but your faith doesn't matter if you don't change your direction and start walking toward him. Scripture says that the devil knows that there's one God and he trembles. But that knowledge doesn't save him. Scripture talks about how many of the Pharisees believed in Jesus, but they would not vocalize their faith. They would not become followers of him, and so they never got in the church from the record we have in Scripture. They never became a Christian because they may have had faith in him, but they never allowed for their life to line up with that. Yesterday we went to Pittsburgh. And, and you know, you guys know if you've been to Pittsburgh, uh, a lot of it's highway, but a lot of it, you know, is kind of not. And uh, <laughs> it's the wonder of living in these mountains, you know. You wonder how you got out sometimes. You're like, you got a good GPS, you're praying over it, speaking in tongues, you know. Um, but you've got to determine where you're going to get there. We could have wanted to go to Pittsburgh and never set the direction and still be sitting at our house in Canton wondering what Pittsburgh would be like. Some of us in this room, you put your faith in Jesus, but you've never changed your direction. And the direction change is what gets you to experience what's at the destination for you. We went and we saw like the, you know, you guys have been to Mount Washington. And you, oh, you see the city, you know, and, and my girls thought that it was a hiking trip. They heard Mount Washington. Out in Connecticut, you know, there's a mountain uh, in New England called Mount Washington. It's the highest peak east of the Mississippi. And, um, and so they're thinking like lots of pain. You know, needing supplies. They're not wanting to go to Mount Washington. But when we set the destination and we got there through the car, we didn't, we didn't have to walk it. And you get to where those little pods come out. You can see over the city. They were like, wow, this is so cool. They did not want to go. But when they got there, when, when we set the, the destination and they got to where we were to go, they realized it was worth the trip. And there's some of us in this room that we've been, we put our faith in Jesus years ago, but we've never quite set the destination. But I want to tell you this. There are things waiting for you at that place that you have no idea what's there for you. There are sights that God wants to show you. There are experiences that God wants to give you. You want to see Amazing things set your sight on that destination. But it takes you deciding to go there. And that means you've got to die to the old part. You've got to allow for God to take you there. God will, but you have to allow him 
2. So the first portion of the gospel is death. That happens at repentance, when you get new life. The next aspect of the gospel is baptism. Baptism is burial. And it affects the body. Romans 6, 3 through 4 says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? You were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For those who know the scriptures decently, you're going to know that Romans 6 and Romans 7 make a pretty strong case that, that sin is in our, what the scriptures say, our, our mortal bodies. That when Adam sinned, something in our DNA shifted. Not only did we have death available to experience, uh, death is an intruder, by the way, and a violator. It was not the plan of God. And uh, not only do we have death, but we have sin that's birthed in us. And that's why you have this unction toward things that are not entirely right. But see, what's amazing is that baptism directly affects that sin nature. What's amazing about it is that when you read a little further in Romans 6, Romans 6, 6 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. See, there's something about baptism that changes where you're living. And folks, I can't explain all of this. I can't. But I know this. I've seen it. There's some things you read in Scripture. You know what's awesome about really being like, uh, a full gospel church is like you read stuff in scripture and then you see it lived out. Or you see it lived out and you go, you read it in the Bible one day. You're like, hey, God showed me that like six months ago. And it's all in the Bible. See, when you really are living this thing at full gospel, it comes alive. It starts to be where you live. And, and I've seen people who were struggling and bound with sin, addiction, all kinds of craziness. They got baptized. And never struggled in that area again. Now there's, there's a choice in that. Understand that repentance, that whole repentance thing we talked about, affecting the will. You've got to decide to kind of stay away from that stuff. And if you, you know, if you just want to keep on, if you just have decided that you're going to do this, well then, whatever, God can't go past your will, folks. He can't. If he did, or if he could, if he chose to, let me say it like this. God chooses not to go past your will. How's that? Because if God chose to, he'd have stopped Adam. And all this whole mess would not have happened. God chooses. When God empowered the man and gave him dominion, God didn't take it back. And so when the man chose to not follow God, God allowed him. And if you want to choose to not follow God, God will let you. 
Not because he doesn't love you, not because he doesn't want to keep you, but because you've decided. That's why the doorway into the kingdom, folks, is repentance. See, but baptism, if you allow for repentance to have its work in you, and you allow to, to allow God to really say, I, I, you're my king, you're my Lord, I'm going to live for you, then baptism becomes the way that it cuts the old man out and changes your nature so that sin does not have dominion over you anymore. What's crazy is I've known Christians who've gone back to addictions. But see, what's crazy is that we have the keys. Jesus said that he gave us keys. And whatever we bind on earth, we'd be bound in heaven. Whatever we loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven. This is Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through about 20. So when we as Christians are in a state of oppression or addiction, or bound by fear, or bound by sin, whatever those things are that have us locked up, honey, you got the keys. It's like you're just waiting for a jailbreak. You're hoping that something gets you free. All you've got to do is just activate your keys. And, and part of that is being baptized so that your flesh is brought under a new, the new life in Christ. I want to tell you that if you're struggling with habitual sin, if you're struggling, struggling with addiction, you need to get baptized. We'll be having a baptismal service early in March, which is only two weeks away. Think about being baptized. Because the difference between you living victoriously or not, you may be trying real hard, But it's not about you trying hard. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not by you being better. It's by you being transformed. And part of that is baptism. So baptism is the second element of the the gospel experience. It's the burial part. We're buried in baptism. And the third part is resurrection. And the resurrection is spirit baptism. It affects the spirit. Now, I want to say this. There is a difference between believing in the Lord and receiving the baptism of the spirit. We know this by Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. He's preaching. He must have been preaching good because people are believing and they're coming to faith in Christ. They're getting baptized in Jesus' name. They're, They're seeing miracles happen. How many think it would be a pretty good crusade if we start getting like blind eyes open and deaf ears open and people getting out of wheelchairs? That'd be pretty cool, right? We're believing. We're seeing a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven in our midst. That's what's going on with Philip. And yet it says this. It says that he had preached, but the Holy Spirit had fallen on none of them. And so they send... To the apostles, and the apostles send back to them Peter and John to pray for the people that they might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to understand this. According to Scripture, you can be a believer and be saved 
and see miracles and not have the baptism of the Spirit. It's important because, I want you to hear this, because God made this part of the gospel experience. John the Baptist, when Jesus is about to come on the scene, John the Baptist says this about, about Jesus. says that the Spirit of God revealed to him that, that the one who was coming after him was the one who would baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. And then Jesus shows up at the creek one day, right? Jordan's flowing and he's there and and John the Baptist recognizes who it is that's there and he says, what do you need? And he said, John, I'm coming to get baptized by you. And John the Baptist says this really incredible thing. He said, I have need to be baptized by you. Now, Put this in context. It says in the beginning of Luke, Luke chapter 1, um, right around verse 38 or so, says that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. How many know it's a pretty good anointing? Filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. John, or John is said by Jesus to be the greatest prophet who ever lived. Better than Elijah. In fact, the spirit of Elijah is on him, right? According to scripture. John the Baptist was the dude. He's the dude. And he's, he's baptizing people in Jordan. And Jesus comes to get baptized by him. And, and he says, no, baptize me. Why did he say that? Because he was talking about spirit baptism. He recognized, though I've been filled with the spirit since I was born... I've not been baptized in the Spirit. And there's people in this room that you love God. You're believers. You have absolutely devoted yourself to Him. And you can have all of that and see miracles, signs, and wonders. Be baptized and still not be baptized in the Spirit. Now, all that I would tell you is this. There's just more for you then. You see, if this was full, it would be a better illustration. <laughs> I can take this little bottle of water and it can be filled with water. And that's what spirit filling does at faith in Christ. But if I had a big, if I went and ripped off the top of the baptistry right now and I dropped this full bottle of water, into the baptistry, it is now baptized. You can be filled by the Spirit and never have been baptized because the baptism isn't overwhelming. When you, when you read about the Old Testament, or excuse me, the, um, the more um, traditional literary use of baptizo in the, in the Greek, it's talked about in um, the Odyssey by Homer. The ship that was baptized was a sunken ship. <laughs> it wasn't floating on top. It was sunken. It was immersed. It was overwhelmed. It was submerged in. And that is different than just being filled. What I would tell you 
The spirit baptism is the resurrected power of the spirit of God. It says the spirit of life in Christ Jesus overwhelms you. How important was this? It was so important that Jesus said, these folks are believers. He's talking to the disciples. If you remember at the end of John, he talks, he gets the disciples together and he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that at that point, they were filled with the Spirit. But if you can get Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and stick it up here. I know it's not in my notes. I apologize. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus talking to the same guys he blew on. Says, go, wait in Jerusalem until you be filled with power from on high. That the promise of the Father was going to come on you. And what happens in the next chapter is they're speaking in tongues when the Holy Spirit falls on them in baptism. That is, folks, the resurrected power of the Spirit. Look, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you shall be my witnesses. Folks, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The resurrection experience for the believer is the infilling of the baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the freedom from this world. This is, this is the new kingdom, the, the kingdom of God now. Jesus said this, and you guys will know this. He said the spirit of God, or the kingdom of God is within you because it's through the spirit. It's through the baptism of the Spirit, that kingdom starts to operate, and, and, and people then, as you go into that, can find the power you need to be witnesses. There's a lot more I could talk about about this, and we'll get into it more as time goes on, but I want you to understand, you are at the invitation of the Lord here. And he says, where are you right now? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus? If that's the case, maybe you need to repent. Experience the death part. Set a new trajectory for your life. Set a new destination for you. That is kingdom oriented. Or maybe you've already given your life to Christ. You've been a Christian for years, but maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe it's time to get buried with him in baptism. Or maybe you've been baptized and you've been living for God for a while, but you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Where are you? Where are you in all this? Because, because God is inviting you just to the next thing. God's just saying, just, I've got more for you. And you know what's cool, folks? After you go through and you get baptized and you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what? There's more for you. And after you've seen miracles and you've seen healings and you've seen God answer prayer and power and you've seen all this stuff happen, guess what? God's got more for you. 
And after you've prayed for the sick and see them come out of, you know, their, their bed and, and you've seen the dead raised and you've seen all this crazy stuff, guess what? God's got more for you. We never stop growing. But there are things that God sets even as precedent in the Old Testament that he gives his children as exits from this world. See, what's important, and I want you, I'm wrapping up here, but I want you to grasp how important this is. This affects us body, soul, and spirit. It affects your whole body. It affects your whole being. When we read in, in 1 Corinthians 10 about how the Israelites experienced it with Moses, that they were under the cloud and walked, they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. What was happening then? They were escaping slavery. They were escaping the oppression of a Pharaoh who made them slaves, who killed their children, who robbed them of their human dignity and oppressed them. And he was taking them out of that place and giving them a new destination where they were becoming a nation of God's people, set free by his power, by his spirit. See, in participating in the gospel, they got out of their oppression and became children of promise. What I want to tell you today is the same invitation is here for you. And wherever you are in the gospel experience, take the next step. If you experienced all three already and you're living for God, well then you need to come and help us pray for some other people who may not have. Because it's time for you to be free. I'm going to pray. God's going to move. Let God move on you. See, God doesn't, God will never force you. He only invites. Are you going to accept the invitation today? Father, right now, this is your word. And you gave us this book as a revelation of yourself to us because you wanted to state some things to us that wouldn't just be handed down through time. You engrafted them into, Lord God, stone and on papyrus and on leather. And you gave us these words that have been passed down through the years that we would know what you really said. And you invite us from Moses forward to experience the gospel to let our old lives die through repentance and changing direction to a new destination through faith in you. 
to baptism in water through the Red Sea or through, Lord God, the baptistry in the New Testament. And by the cloud for Israel and by the Spirit for the church. Lord, wherever anybody is in this room, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.